Hi everyone, welcome to this special episode of Girls Take Over Seek to Speak. My name is Aisa and in collaboration with the Women's Aid Organization, in conjunction with its 16 Days of Activism Against Violence, an initiative designed to raise awareness on this issue by reclaiming and celebrating the girls' rights to voice their own opinions, take charge as well as advocate for a change. With me today is the wonderful Manu and Mirsha who will be discussing their right to be safe against child marriage. I also have with me the amazing Gaia from WAO who will also be giving us her insights on this issue from the perspective of civil society. But first, let's hear from Manu who is 15 years old and guess what? She's also a fellow podcaster with her amazing podcast Melifluous where she chats with people of various ages in a fun and motivational way on a wide variety of topics. I will play her amazing promo at the end of this episode. Manu wants to be an advocate and influencer championing the rights of children, young girls and women and I think she's starting at the right place today. How are you feeling now Manu? Hi Aisa, I'm feeling really great today as I have this opportunity to raise awareness on child marriage and to make this to an end. Oh, let's hope we can do that very, very soon. And next, we have Mirsha, who is also 15 years old and loves classical music because Mirsha herself is an amazing pianist. But that's not all. She is also a ballet dancer who dances three times a week for the past nine years. She has also been playing piano for the same amount of time, which means that she has been dancing and playing piano since she was six years old. Her dream is to not only visit, but also perform at the Royal Opera House in France, Paris. (laughs) How are you feeling today, Marisha? Hi, Aisa. I'm feeling really excited today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to raise awareness about child marriage. I hope all of us have fun. Yes, we're going to have fun today, but also to raise awareness. Gaia, how do you feel hearing these wonderful girls talk about their excitement? I feel very excited. I feel so, so, so happy that Mirsha and Manu are here. And I feel really great because we're going to hear from a girl's perspective. You know, us adults always talk about children's rights, children's rights. But I feel like we have to stop talking for them. And we have to start, you know, listening to what they have to say. I am extremely happy to hear that as well. And to be honest, Gaia, it's a privilege to have all of you here. So thank you so much for being on this show. And in this episode, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be clarifying, contextualizing and combating child marriage so that our listeners can be more aware of the problem so that they can also better address it. So let's start first with clarifying what child marriage is. Because according to UNICEF, child marriage is defined as a marriage of a girl or boy before the age of 18 and refers to both formal marriages as well as informal unions in which children under the age of 18 live with a partner as if they were married. So in this first segment where we are trying to clarify child marriage, we're going to be tackling a few myths and misconceptions on child marriage. So what I'm going to do in this first segment is I'm going to read out a statement and I want you girls to guess whether the statement is true or false. And then we'll have a really quick discussion about what it means for that statement to be true or false. So let's first start with Manu. So the first statement is Manu. Child marriage only happens in poor developing countries. Do you think this is true or false? 
Um, at the first sight, when you said this, I felt that it was true, but now I think it's false because I agree that child marriage happens in poor countries as they be- as they believe in traditions, but. In developing countries like maybe in Malaysia, this has become a problem as well-developed uh, uh, humans like they have good jobs do make their children marry at the young age. So I think that this statement is false. You're absolutely right. You're also really right to say that it is more common in poorer countries, but it still happens in developed countries as yeah. well, like even UK, Europe, North America. So what does this tell you about how big of the problem is? And do you think we talk about it enough? Um, this is a really big problem, and I don't think that people talk about it enough because most of them come with an assumption that it's the tradition that they should be married at a young age, which I feel that it should be a topic spoken by people around as we girls matter, not only boys. And I think that it should be a topic spoken by both genders as, as it gives the impact Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you can see, the problem is so widespread. Yes. We're not just talking about poor countries. And it affects so many people. And yet, not a lot of people talk about this enough. Yeah. So, let's look at the next statement. Mirsha, the statement is, Girls who give birth before the age of 15 generally don't have any problems during childbirth. Do you think this is true or false? Absolutely false. Approximately 777,000 girls under the age of 15 give birth each year in developing regions. There is also a high chance of a girl to get many complications due to childbirth at a very young age. These complications could also lead to death. Adolescent mothers with no choices left tend to abort their babies. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a misconception that just because you're young, you're able to withstand labor more. In fact, complications in pregnancy is the number one killer of girls and young women between the age of 15 and 19. So Mirsha, what would this mean to children then if they get married at a young age and get pregnant? What about their future? I don't think that they will have a bright future because they will be having many complications and they will have huge amount of commitment. Absolutely right. So we see that People think that this is a rare problem, but it happens everywhere and it really affects our girls. So our next statement, Manu, is parents do not care for their daughters if they marry their daughters off. Do you think this is true or false? I think that it is true because they are the ones who give their daughters off to get married. And I watched videos that in YouTube by UNICEF from many countries that once the the husband of the girl like maybe met with an accident or just left her become a widow and the girl comes to uh, comes back to her parents with a baby and they just do not care about her which is really really sad mm-hmm. yeah so no, you're right in that sense so yeah. even though like to us they may seem like monsters how can you do that to your child right yeah. but actually for millions of people child, child marriage is often seen as like the best or like the only option like poor or impoverished parents often believe that marriage will secure a daughter's future by yeah. making another family responsible for her care or in a humanitarian crisis where sexual violence is rampant they actually see child marriage as yeah. a way to protect their daughters 
But if parents can see how much better off the girls are in school and out of marriage, do you think their mindsets will change? Yes, I really think that they will come that they will come with a mindset that education is important. I'm not saying that it's wrong to get married in an early age. Like in an early age, like 18, they have the maturity at that time. But education is much more higher than that. Nowadays, your life can't be calm as if you don't have the proper education, you know. Like in, yeah. Yeah, in school, as if me, I am a person who likes to study. But as from the MCO, when it come, I, I became more lazy. And, but when I went through articles and when I listened advices from my family, I felt that education was the key to success. And without it, you are just simply nothing, you know. And the society will look bad at you. It's not mm. the society. It's more to ourselves. It's that we don't have the commitment because for our future, it's us who matters, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I think that parents should come to a mindset where education is the key. Okay, I'm glad that you found yeah. that mindset yourself. And I'm guessing that you're no longer lazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope. After reading all those. I, you should pass me those articles. So maybe yes, I'll get less sure. lazy too. <laughs> all right, Mirsha. Uh, the next statement is this. Uh, child marriage is a cultural and religious practice we have to respect culture and religion do you think this is true or false well for me i think in some countries they think it's good to get married due to tradition and for me i think it's false because we have to follow the civil law you're absolutely right it's actually a false statement to say that just because it's a cultural or religious practice doesn't mean it's wrong you know, in fact, child marriage is not linked to any single religion. It happens to girls of Hindu, Muslim, or even Catholic faith, or as well as girls from other faiths. In many communities, even though they find it to be a tradition practice like hundreds of years, it doesn't mean it's positive. I think there's a famous saying talking about how traditions are made by people, so they can be changed by people. Would you agree that in this modern era, there is no value in keeping child marriage as a culture alive? Well, no. I think child marriage should be stopped and banned because if a girl gets married to a man, they, they don't get the proper education, they can't see a bright future, their job line and their career will be, you know, in, in dark. So they need to explore what they want to be. Like you said just now, right, it harms a child's life when they're giving birth and then Majnu also talked about their future in the society because they lack education so child marriage clearly as we can see from our discussion and I'm glad that all of you agree that it's something that is really really bad and yet it's still quite common despite the harms that it poses on children so I want to pose a question to Gaia why do you think child marriages still continue to happen despite a lot of pushback around the world like you said, um, Aisa, and like the girls mentioned, I think the biggest cause of why it's still continuous is cultural and traditional practices. And I also completely agree with you, Aisa, that traditions are made of people. You know, people mm. make this tradition. So people can change these traditions. But I feel like, you know, it's been going on for so long that people are like intuitively think that, okay, this is right. This is how it is. And a few reasons, you know, a few other reasons is teenage pregnancies, 
of um, you know teenagers are still children so that means anybody below 18 years old some families feel like okay if the girl gets pregnant and she's 18 they have to get married this is another problem and this is happening in Malaysia this has happened quite a lot of times and I also want to touch a little bit on you know our government as you know some of the states in Malaysia have stated that marriage can only happen when uh, both parties are 18. But some states say that they can marry as young as they're 16. And um, these are just, you know, like legal marriages, you know, signing of the registration form. What about the ones that don't report? Yeah. What about the ones that live, you know, in rural areas? So this kind of shows that there's inconsistent law enforcement and mm. even in states where they did enforce that you know girls and boys they have to get married at 18 there's no supervision and also just to add on that of what uh, Manu said that um, you know girls who are more in poverty country they do get married off more um, as compared to countries that are modern countries that are more well-developed because, yeah, parents do see them as burdens, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, especially when it comes to like natural disaster, a war zone countries, you know, some parents feel like, you know, I can't take care of her. I can't buy her food. I don't have money. She's a burden. So she has to go. And this idea is so like involved in all of us that it just keeps happening, just keeps happening. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I think you're right. It's a problem of like, perception that you see these girls as like a burden that you can pass off to another family and also locally in terms of policy making how it's inconsistent on the federal level and state Mm -hmm. level between uh, religions as well so i think we should come get our act together and like do something about it and actually this is a nice segue into the second segment that we want to talk about is how we're going to contextualize child marriage and in particular we're going to contextualize it to Malaysia. So in this segment, I'm going to show you girls a compilation of local newspaper headlines, which I have collated into a large photo. What I want you girls to do is to read out one or two headlines that sticks out to you. Like that's probably like the first thing that um, you saw and it caught your eye. And then I want you to tell me why these headlines attracted your eye. So let's start with Mirsha. Yes. Okay. So... The headline which caught my eye is, Will Malaysia ban child marriage? Actually, this headline makes me feel questioned. What has the government been doing? Why is the government not taking this issue seriously? There are many questions running my head. One day, I sat down and realized something. Why are we judging the government? We don't know what issues the government is facing. They are most probably trying their level best to resolve the problem. So we as citizens of Malaysia should try to help the government to resolve this issue. I suggest that we carry out countless campaigns, programs, exhibitions, talks and advertisements about child marriage to educate people about the factors of child marriage. Wow, that's really impressive. But I also like your initial sentiment of like, why isn't the government doing something about this? Because like, it's such an easy question, right? 
will Malaysia ban child marriage? Yeah, of course we should. Why isn't it? You know, but I love that instead of leaving it in the government's hands, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna do something about it because I also have power. Yes. So I really, really like that sentiment from you. Uh, Manu, any of these headlines stick out to you? Yeah, I particularly feel that married at twelve, a mother at thirteen, a Malaysian child bride story. When I read that, it it gave me this impact where. I feel I feel her, you know. Is that I really feel that she would have gone a really, uh, a really hard and a tough time getting married at twelve, where she just, which was the halfway of her education in being in school and becoming a mother at thirteen. What made the complications that she would have gone through, and because she would have be she would have died like just to be honest. As being a mother at thirteen is not an easy thing. People tend to just leave it like that, as they face a lot of complications. And when they are not there, that's when they feel like, oh my god, I, I got her married at twelve, and it's and it's my mistake. Where they should have the sense earlier that my child should be going to school, she should be enjoying with the friends, she should be playing. Like they have yeah. to have that sense, and I really feel. Her, because I feel that it's really a sad and a shameful thing to be doing as parents or as a society. Yeah, absolutely right. Like we should feel more ashamed. I feel ashamed when I see that yeah. headline, and that headline is on an international news site. Yeah, and and like I can't imagine Manu, somebody younger than you and Marcia getting married and having a child. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy that that's the society that I live in. Yeah. Speaking about Malaysia, let's get down to some not so fun facts. Um, <laughs> Mirsha, can you first read aloud this fact that I am displaying to you, so that our listeners can know what the law is like in Malaysia? All right. So, while Malaysia civil law sets a minimum age of 18 for marriage, the state chief minister can grant girls between the ages of 16 and 18 the permission to marry. With Sharia law, which applies to Muslim, the minimum age to marry is 18 for boys and 16 for girls. Is this surprising to you, Manu? Like, why do you think this is a problem that our law is not only inconsistent but also allows for child marriage? Okay, this is really, really surprising to me because I feel the inequalities happening there. For example, the Sharia law. Why is it for boys they set it to 18 and girls 16? Why don't they Absolutely. make it same? Why is it that girls they have this down-looking side that makes the girls feel bad for themselves? What if they got married at if the girls get married at the, at the age of sixteen? Won't they feel that why are boys granted at the age of eighteen to marry, and why is the girls younger? It's that the inequalities happening there really affects them, not only them, and including the people, the victims, upcoming victims who are going to marry. You know, and it really makes me feel sad because I feel that I'm also I'm going to be sixteen next year, and this may happen to me. You know, maybe who knows? Because yeah. we can't say that what's going to happen tomorrow. And it really makes me feel sad. It makes me shameful as I'm also a girl and I can't do anything because it's the law and that's what people believe. If it's the law, that's what we have to follow. But we should think about ourselves that we can make a change as we are the one leading our lives ahead. You know, 
yeah yeah absolutely it's such a problem when something is codified into law then it solidifies yeah. this perception that it's okay and it also solidifies this perception that it's okay to treat women and men unequal you know yeah uh, manu can you read out this other not so fun fact yeah sure In 2016, the Minister of Women, Family and Community Development revealed that a total of 9,061 child marriages were recorded from 2010 to 2015, which includes both Muslims and non-Muslim marriages. This is really shocking, actually. The 2010 population and housing census showed that a total of 80,195 girls and 72,640 boys between the ages of 15 and 19 were married. Mirsha, do you think that this is surprising? Like, why is this a problem that so many people are getting married so early in Malaysia itself? Aren't we like a, a decently developed country? <laughs> Well, yes, indeed, it surprises me a lot. Actually, it makes me feel angry because girls at the age of 16 are not ready for heavy commitments as they are not matured. I'm glad you feel angry about this because this is something that we collectively as a society should feel angry about so that we can do something about this. So that's why I wanted to end this session with some advice from Gaia. Like, what do you think needs to change as Malaysians for us to solve the problems as well as change perspectives. Okay, so I'm going to, you know, start off with what can we do to solve the problem? And, you know, I think the most common thing that all of us have discussed is poverty, right? So mm-hmm. the countries that are poor in poverty, it happens mostly in there. But even Malaysia, it happens to Malaysia because like Misha you said, Misha and Manu, there is inequality. And you know I said when you said we're a pretty good developing country mm. <laughs> there shouldn't be there shouldn't be any and you know any inequality so I think the first thing that the government has to do is they have to increase opportunities for girls and women mm. they have to increase opportunities for girls in an economic sense in a social sense and also in education so this way you know girls are going to have more chances to education and when they become women they're going to have more chances to you know work and i think when we talk about education that flows nicely with we need sex ed <laughs> we need yeah, sexual education do. in school i mean it's like it's 2020 you know we need this and a lot of people might think like oh my god we can't do it you know we can't do this or you know everyone's going to have sex that's kind of like <laughs> what we hear right it's inappropriate <laughs> for kids and i think well they should know they should yeah. know that you know if they do have sex at a young age what are the complications what's going to happen yeah. you know in sex ed you don't only learn about what is sex right you have to learn about what are the complications what are the mm. effects what can we do to help prevent it and you know when we talk about the law or the government again i would like to say we have to start seeing um similar laws or consistent laws across the federal across the state chief ministry there cannot be one state saying 18 one state saying 16 and then the sharia law saying 16 and 18 everybody needs to be similar 
maybe, um, you know, if the government may not be able to take this seriously, I think there has to be like a higher body above mm. the government that have to see that the government are, you know, doing their job. And if they are doing their job, they have to monitor. They have to send in government staff, go in the rural areas, go in indigenous areas, and even go in the main city. Monitor them, make sure they're doing their job right, you know. And another important thing I feel is cultural and traditions, right? A lot mm. of people have already normalized this. So how are we going to break through that? I think we slowly, slowly have to go in grassroots communities and start, you know, creating um, maybe trainings and maybe a little bit of programs. And I think um, we have to start slow, you know. We have to yeah. keep in mind that this is a culture and tradition that's been normalized. It's for a hundred of years. If we just go in, bam, this is not going to happen. Child marriage, no, you're doing the right, you're, not, you're doing the wrong thing. That's going to close up the gate. You know, yeah, they immediately right. are going to be like, no. So we yeah. have to slowly do this. Yeah. No, you're absolutely like, right. I love the fact that the brunt of your effort is ed on education. Yeah. Because a lot of, another misconception that we didn't discuss here is that child brides are helpless. But actually, mm. if they were educated, if they were given proper sex education, know, they know about consent, and what it means mm. to take back their power, it will be a lot easier to fight for their rights, to say no, to say no, I want to yeah. stay in school. And you're absolutely right about the consistency as well. The reason why not a lot of people maybe feel united about this issue is because maybe they view the government as not united about this mm. issue. But if we can have a consistent front on the federal level already, it's a lot easier to implement the kind of changes and positive initiatives that you talked about just now. And I really hope that we come to that point where we can see those positive changes. So actually, that again moves nicely to the last segment on how to combat child marriage. So in this segment, we are going to be introducing you to a few photos taken by somebody called Stephanie Sinclair. She's a photographer who investigated the phenomenon of child marriages around the world over a period of eight years. She later produced a documentary and started a movement called Too Young to Wed, The Secret World of Child Brides. So I'm going to be showing you girls some photos that she took during her effort. And then I want you to tell me what you see. Where are they and what expressions do they have on their faces? Manu, maybe you can begin with the first photo. Okay, so I see an old man, quite an old man, with a small beautiful girl who just got married and taking their wedding pictures. And by seeing this photo, I really feel sad because the girl should be in a situation where she's studying, where she gets the access to education, where she gets the access to play with her friends, where she gets the access to enjoy good time with her family members and the people mm. around her, but she's in this scenario where she's being married to a guy maybe who's like tons older than her. She would have like questions going on her mind. Why am I getting married? What about my dreams? Am I not a girl who who gets the chance to live the life that I want? 
Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I sort of see that in yeah. her face as well. So this photo was taken in Afghanistan, and the male's name is Faiz, and he's 40 years old. And Gulam, the girl, is only 11 years old. Wow, that's so, really oh shocking. My oh my god. So young. <sighs> yeah, it is so sad. I'm going to show you another photo, Mirsha. Can you tell me what you see in this photo? Alright, so in the picture that you have shown me, I see an unhappy couple in their traditional attires. I believe that the bride has been forced to be married with an elderly groom. Mm -hmm. Due to traditional cultures in certain regions, parents wish to send off their kids by getting them to marry a groom who is well-to-do or in other words, wealthy, because they can't afford to raise their child up. Yeah, you're right. This is in Yemen and this photo is taken outside of their mountain home in Haja. And the girl in pink that you see, she's eight years old. Um, her husband, Majid, is 25 years old. And Tehani's classmate or former classmate is the one in green. Her name is Gada. She's only eight years old. And her husband behind her is Sultan, who's 33 years old. Wow. Um, how does this make you feel, Mirsha? This is super surprising to me. I didn't know that the girls are very young and the grooms are really, really old. This is really shocking to me. Yeah, in a lot of places, even now, it happens as young as 8 and 11. And it, it doesn't just happen in Afghanistan and Yemen. Um, Gaia, can you mm. tell me what you see in the last photo? In the last photo, again, I see a very unhappy couple, very sad, very upset. And um, both of them are very young. This time, the child, the bride, and the groom are very young. Um, in someone's house, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So this time, it's not a young girl and an old man. This is actually Maya, who's eight years old, and Kisho, who's thirteen years old, and they're posing for a wedding outside their new home in India, Jaipur. So child marriage doesn't just involve underage girls, but also underage boys because it's a culture but the only reason i've sh showed that to you was not to make all of you sad i'm really sorry if i did <laughs> it's okay but it's just to show you the harsh reality yeah. of what child marriage can look like because we don't realize what is happening when we really put ourselves in other people's shoes so now that we know the reality let's imagine a few other scenarios so here i will give each of you a scenario and i want you to sort of tell me what you see Mm -hmm. Or tell me what you think you see if your life was different. So first, um, Mirsha, you are an average teenager who goes to school online. Okay. <laughs> what does your average day look like? Well, for me, my average day will be by waking up from my cozy bed and um, coming straight down to my computer since school is online now. Well, and then I'll be on my computer and my classes will go on. I'll be sitting down in my chair for, I think, a few hours, like four or five hours without moving. And the best part, and the best, <laughs> but learning. Yes, and the best part is like, it's easier. I, I think online school is easier because you can make a lot of notes. You can take down a lot mm. of notes, where else when you go to school, your teacher, um, like she explains things fast and then you have to like quickly jot down everything and you'll be like oh my notes are so messy I need to go back home and do again so I, f I feel like you know online class they go slow they take it slow okay after That's that um, 
actually quite sad because I can't do my prefect duties. I'm a prefect at school and I can't do my prefect duties Aww. online during recess. I love that you look forward to prefect yeah. duty. <laughs> it's cool. It's so sweet. Yeah, and then I would normally um, go for a jog. I'll go for an evening jog and then once I'm done with that, I will do my online homework and I'll do some revisions because I have planned a schedule on which subjects to study wow. on which day. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite... That's really good. Yeah. So that's probably the only thing you really worry about, right? Like how to get good grades, yeah. in order to get the school or the job of your dreams yeah. or to perform at the Royal Opera yes. House. <laughs> yes, yes. Alright, so now I want you to step into somebody else's shoes. I want you to pretend that you are 11-year-old Gulam from Afghanistan who just married a 40-year-old man in a war-torn country. What do you think your normal day looks like? Well, if I'm her, I guess my normal day will be super-duper boring. <laughs> and um, I ha- because I have... That will be best-case scenario, right? Yeah, I have to keep up with my heavy commitments as a wife. I would probably start my day by waking up super-duper early to prepare breakfast for my husband. And once my husband is off to work, I would probably clean the house, wash the dishes, wash the clothes, cook lunch for my husband. And after that... I think I would probably clean the house again. That's the only job I can do. Clean the house. Mm-hmm. Like, all my activities will be at home. And then, yeah. yeah Even if there's no much, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. pretty much it. Because there's nothing productive yeah. I can do besides cleaning the house. Yeah, you don't go to school. Yeah. Um, and if you have a child, you have to take care yes. of that child, right? And you're a child yourself, yes. right? Okay, so it's it's interesting to see how drastic and how different both your life and Gulam's life would be if you were married at a young yes. age. So now we're going to look at scenario two. So Manu, your 15-year-old friend Alia has a boyfriend who is in his 20s. She says she's in love with him and wants to marry him next year. And you're surprised to hear that their families are okay with that and they're already talking to each other and they're eager to see their children off. But you don't think this is a good idea and you want to intervene. So you're concerned about her. What would you do and what would you say to Alia? Okay, so first of all, I'll start in a quite positive pace to make her not get into her anger straight away. So I'll be like, congrats <laughs> Alia, you found your, the love of your life. And maybe she'll be like, hey, thank you. Thank you for being a good friend. And then that's when I'll take a step and like, I'm really happy that your parents agree and that you made your parents know about what you want to do. But you're just 15 where in government schools we take our PT3 exams. And why do you want to get married in such an early age? Maybe he's 20 and that's okay for him. But if it's you, you still have... It's just another two years where you'll finish your SPM and Mm. you can maybe see what's your life after that where you get more opportunities after you get a good work a good salary where you're stabilized and maybe that's when you can get married and I'll also say that don't you think that you want to get complications after getting married that do you want to have like just to be open, do you want to have sex in a very early age and like be pregnant and get pregnant in an early age? Yeah. 
and it's good that you're so open <laughs> yeah because if we don't be open it's quite hard to make them realize that what they are doing is a crime not is a bad thing actually and i'll do whatever i can to make her understand and say that it's not what you should be doing right now if you are you can love him but be focused on your education and when you have good standards when people respect you and know that you're capable of doing anything maybe that's when you can take your life to a, another step where you find the perfect person you find the love of your life and you get married to him so yeah that's what i'll be saying to her yeah oh that's really kind of you that's <laughs> that's such a good balance actually yeah. that's a good balance of like being supportive but at the same time firm. Yeah. And I think this goes back to what Gaia was talking about when you want to engage with communities. Mm-hmm. You have to be firm with your belief and principle that this is wrong, yeah. but it doesn't mean that you have to antagonize them in the process or yeah. tell them that they're like monsters and that yeah. whatever they're doing is yeah. wrong because that's how you really get people to change their minds. Yeah. Like if I so, start being so bad at the start, it may effect of friendship as Alia's my friend and I'll do anything for her so that's where you have to start at a slow pace and as you go you give her what like you give the advice what you want to oh that's yeah. so nice <laughs> I want to be your friend you'll do anything for uh. me <laughs> all right so we're going to end this segment on a positive note with Gaia mm-hmm. what advice would you give to girls who want to advocate against child marriage what can they do where can they go Okay. First of all, speak out. Speak out about it. Talk about how you're uncomfortable with it. Talk it all out because your voice matters. Your rights matters. Your opinion matters because this is about you, right? So, I would say don't be scared. Go out there, all of your voices. Because it's time to end the adults speaking about it. It's time where you girls have to show that, you know, you have your own thoughts about it. So I would say the advice for girls is maybe you can start small, you know, because mm-hmm. you're not adults, right? The reality of this, you you know, maybe financially, you know, you don't have uh, enough finances to start your own NGO. So, but it's still significant, you know, start small, like the girl guides, you know, talk about these issues, start clubs at schools during your co-curriculum activities where you talk about how this is not right, you know, giving education, start with your own communities, your own families, telling them about, hey, you know, this is wrong. And, you know, I've been hearing a lot of um, girls from other places getting married. This is wrong. Start up the conversation. Talk about it with your friends. It's small, but it's extremely significant. Yeah. No, you're completely right. I mean, that's what we're trying to do here as well, right? We're trying yeah. to create awareness so that the listeners can also hear. But more than anything, there's a lot of power in convincing your parents who have been set in their ways for like yeah. 20 years or 40 exactly. years to change their mind. That's not an easy feat. And start with your community and start creating those communities and expanding those communities. Gaia, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. It's important to feel like you have power yes. and that your words matter in this issue. Thank you so so much girls for joining me today. No I want to end It's such Yay. a great such honor. honor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that that makes me feel so good. But I want other listeners to also feel good. So I want maybe to end this message or oh, sorry, episode with maybe a positive message. So maybe we can start this time with Mirsha. 
Alright, so if you are forced into marriage by your parents, don't be afraid to stand up and say no. Yes. Remember that yes. you are not alone. Your yes. voice really, really, really matters. To all the girls who are in love, try thinking of your future. Is your future going to be bright if you marry at a young age? Try thinking of your job line and career. Will you get your dream job if you are married? And finally, try thinking of your happiness. Are you going to be happy staying at home, cleaning the house or cooking while you can be out, <laughs> enjoying the sun, rolling in the mud in the field and playing in the field with other teenagers? Once again, do not rush into things and work on making your big dreams come true. Oh, that's such a powerful call to action. Thank you so much. I think that will inspire a lot of girls out there. All right, Manu, what is your message? So first of all, hi to all the listeners. I hope you're doing really good. So my message to all of you is that your life really matters as your life, you get it only once, like as we're living, it's only once. So why would you want to ruin it at such a young age? You know, we have the rights to dream and live our lives and no one has the power to control how we want to be. So just dream, just live your life and don't forget to speak up and just speak out for your rights as we matter. Not only boys, but we girls also matter, you know. All of us are equal despite our age, the our gender and our ethnicity. And just live your life and... If you see anyone in danger, help them as we are all a community, a society trying to ban violence against us women. And the society shouldn't see us as an object that you use and you just throw away. And as we also matter, not only them. And just live your life. You love yourself. So just be yourself and let's unite together for a better world for us to live for all females oh that's that's so nice and i love that you related back to the bigger issues and problems of like violence against women gender inequality because a lot of that also plays into the problem of child marriage yeah all right last but definitely not least gaia what is your message to all these lovely ladies out there okay So, you know, girls, I've already told you what you can do, starting small, starting in communities. So I would like to introduce you to what WAO, Women's Aid Organization, are doing on our part to start that. So we have our very own network called um, Hashtag Girls Takeover Network, where it's on Discord. It's actually an app that you can use in your PC, your laptop, and also your phone. Um, So this app is um, for girls who are aged 12 to 17 years old. We also have our staff, including me, in there. All female girl, all female staff, all girls only, right? So we talk about a lot of issues there. We talk about, you know, domestic violence, child rights, um, you know, a lot of issues there. There's so many different forums. And actually, Manu and Misha are from there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're from there as well. So, you know, we don't just talk about it, but we also give you a platform. So, you know, whenever we have like a program or an opportunity, like an interview or podcast, we will put it out there. We will let your girls take part. And I think that's great. You know, this is somewhere that you can start and it's going to be amazing. 
And, you know, if you would like more information, how do I join it? What do I have to do? You can just go to our website, www.wao.org.my. And you can just click on a tab called Girls for Girls and you will have all the amazing information there. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah. I thought you're absolutely right. That is so important to mention the genesis of this episode and mm-hmm. how you girls got together and how you became more aware of this issue as well. I will be sure to link all of those links into the mm-hmm. show notes so that they can just easily access them. Because honestly, if you get to meet people like Gaia, Mirsha, and Manu, your life will be completely changed. Wow, I know my so <laughs> changed. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy to have met all of you and I'm so glad to hear all of your positive and powerful anthems. And also, please stay on this episode so that you can listen to Manu's wonderful promo <laughs> as well, which I will be playing after the episode. Thank you girls so, so much um, for being on this show. And I really hope you listeners out there were inspired and motivated and empowered by what the girls talked about today and also start your own movement in order to eliminate violence against women. Thank you all. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. probably on your bed or on your study table or maybe in the toilet listening to this. I'm Manushri coming to you live and in stereo welcoming all of you to Mellifluous, a fun and exciting motivational chit chat session with wonderful souls of various age and backgrounds that simply brightens and cheers up your day. So I really hope you guys would show some love and feel free to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. That's all for now. I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Bye.